0: hit you hallelujah girls hit you hallelujah girls hit you
1: hallelujah cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you Saturday night and we in the spot don't believe me just watch
0: another episode of uh, Softie and Hawklogger talking about the Seahawks man it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Friday morning it's early I, I, I'm supposed to be on a plane, but I can't, apparently it's foggy up there. I'm in San Francisco. Apparently it's foggy up there in Seattle. They're telling me it's two hours. So people are going to. It's go. very,
1: it's very foggy. But I think, I think what the story was was over at Alaska Airlines saying you can't board the plane, you can't take off until you tape your uh, segment with soft because that's more important than you getting home.
0: Oh, so you're saying you've got pull, is what you're saying? I do.
1: I do. I, I actually. I actually called the pilot and said, hey, man, I haven't talked to Brian yet this week, and we got to get this done. So would you mind delaying the flight for about 15 minutes so we can chat for crying out loud? So, yes, mission accomplished, baby.
0: You and I are going to have a, have a talk when I get home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Your wife's not going to be very happy with me. So you're in San Francisco right now, and you're on the way home.
0: I am. Uh, still, tri- still triumphant in, uh, in oh. San Francisco. It doesn't get old, dude.
1: Oh, dude, it never gets older. Are you kidding me? I mean, I think even the Niners, you know, winning two of their last three games against uh, – they're both against Arizona, right? But they've been pushed to the max for three games in a row. So, I think if you're a Niner fan right now, you got to feel maybe a little bit kind of maybe uncomfortable with where the football team is at right now. Do you really have the right guy at quarterback? Is this defense really as good as we thought it was going to be? Are the Seahawks not going away? I think if you're a Niner fan, you think, hey, man, they're – they're going to be a problem, you know, as long as Russell Wilson's there. So I think there's probably, I mean, you tell me you were down there talking to him in person. There's probably some uh, uneasy Niner fans down there, huh?
0: Absolutely. And it, it's definitely about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. That's that's yeah. where there's a lot of uh, discomfort. Uh, yeah. People are talking about how much he's getting paid and whether or not he uh, he is earning that money. Um, yeah. At the same time, I think there's the opposite going on where a lot of folks are like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is terrible. Yeah, right. the Seahawks fans talk about that now. Right, I, the guy's thrown for like eight touchdowns and like seven hundred and fifty yards in in those two games against Arizona. You're not yeah. terrible when you do that. Right. So, I you know I don't think he's terrible. I think he, I think the Seahawks made him look pretty bad, and I think he's yeah. clearly he is clearly uh, struggles when he's under pressure. That guy makes a lot of mistakes, and he's going to give you a chance to pick the ball off every single right. game, multiple. Well, times first so. of
1: all. I, I, I totally agree with what you said on Twitter the other day. And if I'm paraphrasing and if I'm paraphrasing correctly, then please feel free to jump in and correct me. And I'm looking for some notes by the way, right now that I want to use in a minute. So just excuse my, uh, my mess I have here, but you made the point about, Hey, listen, and I've always thought this as well. If you're a Seahawks fan or really any sports fan in general, and you beat a team and you say, well, that guy sucks. Well, that just minimizes the effort and the impact that your team had on the opposing team. Well, if he's not very good, if Jimmy Garoppolo is not very good and if Jimmy Garoppolo sucks, then what the Seahawk defense do- did on Monday night really wasn't that impressive because they're playing a crappy quarterback, right? So I think the more you pump these guys up and the better that we think they are, the more impressive. I think it makes the Seahawk defense look on Monday. Now, do I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a top five quarterback in the NFL? no. He's likely not even a top 10 or even a top 15 quarterback in the NFL right now. But is he, is he, is, is he okay? Is he good enough? Is he a bottom five quarterback in the NFL? Certainly not. So I think that Seahawks defensive performance, what they did on Monday night would have been great against anybody because of the way the front seven played. So I, I think you're kind of minimizing what the Seahawks did defensively when you start taking shots at Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: Well, and it's, it's, <laughs> The same people who are minimizing him are the same people that were giving me all sorts of hassles about saying that the way that you beat San Francisco is right. to stop, stop the running game. Stop right. the running game and force the ball into his hands. And they were all, all saying before that game, yeah, you're crazy. He's, you know, passing's better than running, and he's he's a good quarterback, and now they're all saying he's bad. So enough about the 49ers. Yeah, let's, yeah. Talk, let's talk about the Seahawks. So yeah, um, coming off a bye week, we got some news. Um, it sounds like Ed Dixon is he coming – Coming off IR, they cut Jamar Taylor, and now it sounds like he's going back on IR. Uh, yeah. Has that been confirmed yet? We just have reports of that, right?
1: No, but there's there's now differing. There's, there's, there's two different or at least three different outlets, I think, that are reporting the same thing. I know Jeremy Fowler had it yesterday, and I think Brady Henderson is on it either last night or this morning. So it's coming from multiple people now. And, I mean, look, we just talked to him yesterday, Brian. I was literally in the locker room with this guy you know, not even 24 hours ago, and looking into his face, and you could see, you could tell how freaking fired up he was to get eligible to play in this game on Sunday. He looked relaxed. He looked confident. He looked like the knee injury was behind him. Uh, He even said that he felt like he kind of was ready in the last couple weeks, but for whatever reason roster-wise, you know, numbers-wise, they weren't able to activate him yet because of the the center situation with Britt a couple weeks ago. So if you were there with all of us yesterday in the locker room talking to Ed Dixon, Uh, And I would have told you right at that second, if I would have walked into that media scrum and kind of elbowed you and said, Hey, uh, he's not playing Sunday. He's going back on the IR tomorrow. You never would have bought that based on his body language, and the tone of his voice yesterday. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised by this. I have no idea what happened yesterday. Obviously he went out there in the practice field and something happened where he just doesn't feel comfortable yet going out there this weekend, but Luke Wilson didn't practice yesterday. And Pete Carroll said at his press conference on Wednesday that he was probable and that he was a fast healer. I don't know how much of that was Pete just kind of being Pete and messing around and trying to create stuff out of thin air, which he sometimes tends to do. He's got a very positive outlook on life. And as you know, sometimes that serves him very well, but, Uh, when I tweeted out that Carol said that Luke was probable, Curtis Crabtree turns around and says, yeah, I think he may have been joking about that. So Luke not practicing yesterday has me concerned that you're going to have one tight end for this game on Sunday versus Philadelphia. But as look, as Mike Holmgren said yesterday, a lot of the routes and the passing tree that Ed Dixon would have run, you potentially can give to Josh Gordon. And the blocking schemes that you would have needed Ed Dixon for you can potentially give to George Fant. So look, obviously it's not a gigantic loss. It's not a huge, huge concern for the game on Sunday, but it is a concern.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and given the, the injury issue with Luke, it's not clear when he's going to come back. I, I know he may be out a while. And um, it's just, it, it's certainly surprising because, assuming he is going to go back on IR, you only get two guys that you get to pull off IR. So now they pulled a guy off IR yep. and they didn't get to use him. So that's, that's burned. Um, and then I think you're going to see someone like Tyron Swoops get brought up uh, mm-hmm. from the practice squad. You know, I, it's interesting. I looked at the personnel groupings and I don't know if the, uh, the Warren Sharp site's great. and Usually has really good stuff. I was a little surprised. It had the Seahawks is, uh, in 11 personnel, which is a one tight end one receiver, sorry, uh, one tight end, one receiver and uh, sorry, one tight end, one running back and three receivers, 73% of the time. That's third most in the NFL. They actually have two tight ends on the field, you know, 14% or less um, based yep. on what what he had. So maybe yeah. it's not as big of a deal as we think um, that was a little surprising to me. I think the Seahawks do run a fair amount of two tight end sets, but you know, we'll have to see what's going to go on, um, you know, this week. I agree. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but I I was, I was breathing a little easier knowing that they had Ed Dixon. um, Of
1: course, of course.
0: Other than, than uh, someone like swoop. So we'll see where that goes. Um, The other piece here, Dave, how do you feel about the defensive performance that we saw against San Francisco and how much do you expect it's reasonable to think that they're going to play like that again this week against Philadelphia?
1: I think it's totally reasonable, especially if Lane Johnson's out in this game on, uh, on Sunday for Philadelphia, the right tackle. And look, I mean, there's a reason why most of us, if not all of us, were pretty disappointed with the pass rush in the first nine games of the year because we thought they were better. So if we were disappointed in the first nine games of the year, we can't sit here now after week you know, 10's game against the Niners and say, oh, we're surprised by what they did. Well, no, because we were expecting something like this the entire season. I just think with the names you've got and the way Al Woods is playing right now, Puna Forge, De'Veon Clowney, uh, those linebackers, heck, even Ziggy Ansa, I'm still kind of hopeful he can give the team something at some point in time. This was the kind of performance that we've been waiting for. This is why they signed those guys to have a game like that. Now, will they play like that every single game? I don't know. That was one of the best defensive performances of the year, if not the best defensive performance of the year from the front seven. And maybe even in some ways, the secondary and keep in mind, they were doing that with a guy in Jamar Taylor, who was basically getting torched the entire game and giving them nothing, uh, nothing at Nickelback. So I, I do expect to see maybe a little bit of a happy medium between what we saw Monday and what we saw in the previous eight, nine games, I think something closer to Monday, but definitely further away than what we saw in the first eight, nine games of the year. Absolutely. And you know what I love about Clowney? And by the way, speaking of Ed Dixon, the injury update, and Ian just tweeted this out. He's exactly right. Ian, Furness from KJR, that Clowney is not pla- uh, practiced two days in a row. So today's injury report is going to be really big for the, uh, for the Hawks. But if you're on Clowney, you are, you know what, you're talking four months away from free agency, right? You're talking six more games in the regular season, hopefully uh, four more games, if not three more games in the playoffs if you get that number one seed. He's he's seeing the light at the end of the tunnel right now, Clowney is. So I would think that his motor is going to go up a couple levels. This is the time now, right now, for Jadevian Clowney to show the NFL what he can do because he's that close to being eligible for that next FAT contract.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I don't know. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I thought Clowney was on the injury report before the 49ers game. It was not practicing most of that week. So I'm not worried. I guess I'm not worried yet about the Clowney stuff. Um, I hope that that's uh, for good reason, but I'm pretty sure he was not practicing ahead of the 49ers game. So I'm just assuming this is veteran rest days that they're taking it, taking it easy with him. Um, That's two days
1: in a row, though. I mean, I I, I have to go back and look at the injury report from before the week of the Niner game. Here, I've got it actually right here. This is uh, Clowney. Yes, you're right. Clowney on November 7th did not practice. Clowney on November 8th did not practice. And the Friday before the 49er game, Clowney was, where is it? He was limited on the Friday before the Niner game. That's what I'm
0: expecting to see. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be limited today. That's, yep. that's what I think Good they're call. doing. Too. Good call. So, well, um, look,
1: I mean, again, you never know, right? That's just, this is now two weeks in a row where he's missed at least two days of practice. And there's, there's a reason why that's happening, right? Is he getting the Marshawn Lynch treatment? Maybe, maybe this yeah. is part of the deal when he showed up here that they said, look, we're, we want you at your best. We don't need you to practice during the week. Cause we know what you can do on, uh, on Sundays and Mondays, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, obviously, it's not a nothing, but it sounds like from past history, especially that Niner game, it's not a, a uh, potential gigantic issue either.
0: Yeah, uh, I think, what do you think about Ugo Amadi? I mean, if Ed Dixon did nothing else coming off yeah. IR, he uh, yeah. was was the impetus to have Jamar Taylor no longer be the the nickel yeah. corner. And that guy was really struggling. Um, and, you know, Ugo Amadi. If nothing else, I feel like, God, that guy, is, that guy's a good tackler. And I'm just yes. I was so sick of seeing Jamar Taylor just whiff on big tackles. You oh. oh. um, I mean, forget being able to cover guys. That's obviously a great, but just make the tackle when the guy's in front of you. So, yeah. um, I mean, uh, what's your assessment? I mean, I'm assuming Ugo Amadi's the guy. Um, is there anyone yeah. else you're thinking is taking that spot and assuming not? What's your expectation for Amadi?
1: Well, I mean, it could potentially be Diggs, uh, but I don't think they want to move him out of the safety spot. After the game that he had last week, I mean, that would be, I think that would be, a, you know, drastic times call for drastic measures. I mean, if if, if they uh, put Amadi out there and he's obviously struggling and he's having issues, maybe there's certain sub packages they can use Diggs as, an, as a nickel back. I mean, obviously quandary has you know a lot of versatility, and they love that with their secondary. You see that with McDougald, obviously, playing both safety spots, and Diggs can play corner, he can play safety, he can play nickel. So I think it's great, but I, I they've got to find a guy, and and this nonsense has to stop, right? I mean, losing Justin Coleman over the offseason was gigantic, and we get why it happened, because the Lions overpaid and the Seahawks were never going to match that offer. But this is now week 12 of the NFL season, game 11, you got to find a nickelback, dude. All right. I mean, come on, man. Let's, you know, enough goofing around, whether it's Amadi, whether it's digs there, I just want them to find somebody they can stick there long-term and you would think Amadi would be as ready for this as he's been all year. Right. I mean, the guy's taking his lumps in practice. He's taking his lumps in the game, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the funny thing about Ed Dixon going on the IR is that he's opened up room for another Oregon duck, another fellow duck in Ugo Amadi to step up and take that role. And I kind of feel like, uh, you know, Ugo Amadi, Uh, You know, like like you felt about Walter Thurman. I mean, obviously, Walter wasn't a nickelback. But the thing about Walter is he could never stay healthy. But when he played, he was phenomenal. So I kind of have that kind of maybe uh, excitement for Ugo that from what I've seen so far, the length certainly is something that stands out to me. I can't wait to watch this guy play. I'm just hopeful that he can stop that freaking revolving door at Nickelback cuz it's driving me nuts, dude. But you know what? I got to right. Listen, I got a question for you. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 uh, Chris Carson conversation was brought up again this week with Pete Carroll. And if you remember 2 weeks ago, I asked Pete about the workload for Chris Carson, and he kind of shot it down. Remember that? Yeah. He said, uh-huh. "What are you kidding me? You're not serious with this, right?" Then this week, 2 weeks later, I thought he had a bit of a different tone when Greg Bell asked about that. He, 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 uh, he spit out the amount of carries he's had so far. Yeah, we're watching it. He's got 200. We got to get Rashad more involved. He, 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 he was much more willing, I thought, this week to even have the conversation about Carson's workload versus where he was a couple weeks ago. And I wonder if you kind of noticed that, too, that Pete knows that he's got to find a way to get Rashad Penny more involved.
0: Yeah, I, I hadn't had a chance to listen to his presser this week, but I will definitely tune in. I think it might just be that, uh, you know, he's he uh he has a problem with you, dude. I think that's really what it comes
1: yeah, to. most people do. <laughs> that could uh, be it. I mean, Greg I, asked the same goddamn question and got a totally different reaction. I know, right. and, and
0: Greg, Greg's not always been his favorite either. I mean, Greg asked tough <laughs> uh, questions. He Joe Fan's the other guy that uh certainly has been uh Pete's Pete struggled with a little this year, yeah, but yeah. uh, man you guys compared to the Philadelphia media. So, so first of all, in answering your question, you know, I still don't, I'm not as concerned. I think they're going to run Chris Carson as they're going to run him. And he's right. significantly better than Penny. And until there's a reason, you know, I mean, the fumbles are a big issue, but Penny yeah. fumbled this last game too. So, yeah. you know, I, I think they're going to keep going with what they're doing. Um, but I mean, the Philadelphia media, holy crap. I mean, what they're saying about Carson Wentz is not yeah. pretty and yeah. and uh, uh, one thing before I forget, uh, humble request to you at some point, can you guys ask about Justin Britt is, is he is, or Ethan Posick, excuse me, Ethan Posick. Is, yeah. is yeah. he due still to come off IR this year, later this year, but, right. um, that's one that I got my eye on because assuming the Seahawks keep playing well,
1: right, you know, I,
0: I want them to have more depth at center than, than what they've right. got with, uh, with Joey Hunt. So, um, that's a big Ooh. one to me.
1: Yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to that. I actually saw both those guys, Posick and Britt, in, in the locker room on Wednesday, and Posick didn't look like he had any injury issues to me. Uh, obviously, you never know, right? It's hard to see everything, but Justin Britt was on crutches in the locker room, and he was kind of putting some weight on the knee. You know, I didn't see any real big wrap or anything. I think I may have even noticed a scar uh, and maybe some some uh, some stitches on his knee as well, so he looks like he's kind of coming along, but obviously he's not playing this year. We know that for a fact, but... The Joey Hunt thing to me and, and, you know, Brian Schottenheimer was was on the radio show on Wednesday. I would encourage people to check out the podcast, by the way, if they missed it, it's always free, by the way, because nobody would pay for that crap a second time. But we asked him about Joey Hunt, you know, how much is this them protecting him with the schemes that they're running? And how much of it of it is Joey Hunt being you know maybe a better player than we give him credit for? How much of this is Russell you know uh, you know running away from pressure? Because I mean that that game with Tampa against Vita Vea you saw a couple times where Vita Vea just abused him in that game. And then how about the first drive in the Niner game, man? DJ Jones. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, this is, this is freaking panic level 5,000 right now with the way DJ Jones is just abusing this guy. So I think they've made adjustments as the game goes on. He's obviously not Justin Britt. He's never going to be Justin Britt. I don't think, though, he's, he's as big of a disaster at center as maybe some of us thought he was going to be. But you're right. They do have to go out and get somebody else at some point to fill that void. I do want to throw a couple numbers at you, by the way, in, in, in regards to Carson. Because here's my concern for Chris Carson. Maybe not even so much this year, but he's going to be 27 next year in the final year of his contract, right? So he'll be, he'll be 28 when he's a free agent in 2021. There's only been four players the last five years that have run for 320 carries or more, and that's what Carson's on pace to do right now, okay? Are you following me on this, by the way? I am. tracking cracking me? He's on pace for 320. And there's only been four players that have done that the last four years. Le'Veon Bell, Zeke Elliott, Adrian Peterson, and DeMarco Murray. What concerns me about that, Brian, is what all those guys did uh, in the following season. All those guys in the following season. I mean, DeMarco Murray uh, saw his yards per carry drop over a yard. Adrian Peterson blew his knee out and missed 13 games and saw his yard per carry go under two per game. Zeke Elliott got suspended for the first six games of the year, obviously, but then came back and dropped the yard off his average. And Le'Veon Bell, kind of hard to figure out him because he held out with a contract dispute in 2018. I'm wondering if they're going to ride this horse as much as they can and then say goodbye after next season. I'm thinking there's no way they're going to extend Chris Carson and give him the money he's looking for. And either next year or at least in 2021, you'll see a new running back in Seattle. What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, I guess my, my assumption all along, Dave, is that they're going to run Carson through the end of his contract, which is next season. Yeah. And they're going to move on. Um, right. I, you right. know, I, as much as I love Chris Carson, you know, I, I think it's a major, major, major roster management mistake to sign a running back to a meaty deal. Yeah. Now, the Agreed. only thing that's an Agreed. exception to that is if you can get Chris Carson, if he hits the market and he's not getting any, you know, big time offers. Right. You can get him to a one to two year, you know, two year deal. Let's say maybe it's a three year deal. That really is just a two year deal. And yep. you can get him on a cheaper kind of contract or a incentive laden contract. That, then sure. But otherwise I'm all about going into the draft, free agency, whatever. Yep. Get, get a young guy and put him back in there. So yep. I, I, I'm fine with them playing Rashad anymore. I'm also fine with them playing Chris Carson. I, I don't have a strong feeling about it one way or the other. Well,
1: Well, you know what, though? but You're right, though. I mean, Carson is 10 times the back that Rashad Penny is. There's no question about that. I mean, there's a reason why. Look, man, there's a reason why Rashad Penny was taken in the first round and can't even get on the field. It's because of Chris Carson, because he's that special. The guy's seventh in the NFL in rushing. He was fifth a year ago. He's probably one of the top five or six backs in the NFL right now. So I think what they've done with Chris Carson – has been phenomenal. But, I mean, look, Penny, when he touches the ball, is averaging nearly five yards a carry. I would love to see him get more involved if the situation calls for it, especially in games that are decided by the midway point of the fourth quarter, which, unfortunately, the Hawks have not played a lot of games like that this year, to be honest. No, they answer. haven't. Right. But, but Those opportunities I, haven't been there.
0: I, I agree. I mean, I, I, I would like to see him get a few more series just to, to mix things up. I have no problem with that. So, so let's talk about the Eagles game before we yeah. kind of wrap here. So um, interesting game. Like there's, there's a number of Seahawks fans, even some folks in the chat right now are talking about worrying about this as a trap game. Yeah. Trap, trap games to me are when you're facing like a really bad team and you're worried, right. you to drop one. The Eagles are not a really bad team. They're five and five. They're one game out of their division race. Um, I think a lot of people who haven't followed it closely don't realize that they had a lot of injuries in their secondary. Those guys are all now healthy. They got Ronald Darby back at corner. They got Jalen Mills back at corner. Nigel Bradham, their starting linebacker, is is going to be back for this game. And uh, I think it was Field Yates tweeted out yesterday, and I retweeted it that uh, uh, they are the top defense over the last four weeks in terms of yards allowed and and I think even points allowed. So this is a you know this is a I think a really good defense. They held the Patriots to seventeen points. They made Tom Brady, he had the most incompletions I think he's had in ages um, it, in the first half of that game last week. Julian Edelman yeah. I think had as many touchdown passes as Tom Brady did in that game. Yeah. So I don't know, how, I look at this game and I think it's it's a it's a tough matchup. Um, I think Fletcher Cox is a, a handful for, for Joey Hunt in the middle there. At the same time, I think Josh Gordon, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, um, I think this should be a great game for Josh Gordon. I think we could see him break out. So uh, uh, where where's your gut on this game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel good about it, right? I mean, uh, the whole idea of a trap game to me, I mean, that's just, that's silly. I mean, I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. You're not playing the Bengals for God's sakes. You're not playing the Jets. You're not playing the Giants. You're playing the Philadelphia Eagles who are fighting for their playoff freaking lives. I mean, if you win this game in Philadelphia, you could argue the Eagles are basically done right? Because there'll be four games back of the Seahawks and tiebreaker will go to Seattle. So, I mean, the whole trap game thing, I mean, I just think people throw that out there to make excuses when teams lose. Well, they just look past those guys. Well, that's, that's just convenient, man. I mean, yeah, the Hawks have Minnesota on Monday Night Football coming up next week, but Philadelphia is a freaking wounded animal that is desperate for a win this weekend in Philadelphia. So, I'm, I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent. On the, uh, on the trap game thing. I mean, number one, I don't even need to look at the last three or four games to look at the Eagles' defense. They're ninth in the uh, in the freaking league in total defense, for God's sakes. So this, this is a top-ten defense. It should be good enough to get your attention if you're a Seahawks fan. But I'm looking at the last you know couple of games. The Patriot game, obviously, they gave up 17 to Tom Brady. But you go back to teams like the Cowboys, Minnesota. You know, Kirk Cousins drops 38. Dak dropped 37 on these guys. Aaron Rodgers dropped 27. So they can be had. And your point about Josh Gordon, hey, look, man, I thought he broke out freaking last week against San Francisco. I mean, for a guy to come off the street basically like that and have those two big third-down conversions on slant routes that kept drives alive and one of them led to a score, I I thought he justified his signing right away with those freaking two plays on Monday night. Hell, I thought he justified his signing with the first third-down conversion he had last Monday versus San Francisco. So I'm super fired up to see what this guy can do. And if they use him on the right routes, like they did in that game with San Francisco, he could be a gigantic weapon for these guys. But I just think that look, anytime you go into a place like Philadelphia, it's going to be a tough environment. There's no question about that. The good news is if the Hawks can get up on these guys early, those fans will turn on that team and boo them like crazy and maybe even take off and leave that stadium. So I think it's awesome for the Hawks that the game got moved. I know a lot of people disagree with that, with the primetime thing, but you know what their record in 10 AM games the last three or four years has been marvelous. That's a thing of the past. Don't even think about that crap anymore. And as KJ Wright said, they were set to get home at seven o'clock in the morning on Monday after playing a game on the East coast at eight o'clock. Now they get get, they, they, get home earlier. They get to see their families get rested up for the Viking game the following week. So look, I mean, I think this is the game. The Seahawks should win on paper. Things like the fumbles, obviously that cost them the freaking Saint game and cost them the Raven game. You take those things out. The Seahawks are a better football team.
0: Well, Dave, let me ask you this. <clears throat> uh, When's the last time that the Eagles beat the Seahawks in Philadelphia? You want to guess?
1: Oh, God. The last time the Eagles beat the Seahawks, I- it's got to be 20 years.
0: Yeah, it's uh, the Seahawks have won the last four games that they've played in Philadelphia, dating all the way back to 1998. There you go. So, hey, how about uh, that?
1: 21 years. I'm sorry. It was, it was
0: 1989 is yeah. the last time the Eagles beat the Seahawks at home. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the Seahawks have had some good luck in Philadelphia. Um, I, I agree with you that that uh, a lot of a lot of those fans are going to be hard, and they are they are ready to pounce on Carson Wentz. They are not happy. Yeah. They've yeah. got Nelson Aguilar who's out. I don't know if you saw, but he has a he had a burner account that yeah, was uh, found out, and uh, he said it
1: wasn't his though. He said uh, it, it, it was it was clearly
0: obviously his. <laughs> uh, and and let me ask got, you
1: this: Do you yeah. have a burner account?
0: I don't. I you know what I, I, I used to have additional hawk. I don't. I don't. I used to have <laughs> I used to have additional hawk blogger accounts because a long time ago Twitter would uh would meter how many right. tweets you could make in an hour. So when I was live tweeting during games, I kept getting cut off. But
1: yeah, yeah. I barely
0: have time to tweet on one account, dude.
1: I know. So you know um, what? But but you're right though, man, about the uh, about the whole Carson Wentz thing. And I wanna throw one thing at you too before we take off. Yeah, I was actually surprised to see this a little bit. I mean, when you think about it and kind of think about what the Seahawks offense looks like at times, maybe it doesn't surprise you. But I was I was a little bit surprised to say uh... the percentage of passes that are considered deep. So 20 yards or more is considered by pro football focus or deep passes in the NFL. Matt Stafford's number one in the NFL. His percentage of deep passes, 20% of his passes are 20 yards or more. Who's number two in the NFL in that category? And it looks like it be a first class
0: percentage that of passes deep?
1: So yep. Percentage of deep passes. Of
0: I would have thought, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess you're going to say yeah, Carson yeah, Wentz. Is, it, is it Carson?
1: Russell Wilson. That's what I would have guessed. Russell Wilson's number two in the NFL. 16% of his passes are going 20 yards or more. Number two behind Matt Stafford, who's at 20%. The difference, though, Matt Stafford's passer rating on deep balls is 86.3 with six touchdowns and five picks. Russell Wilson's passer rating on deep balls is 135.4 with seven touchdowns and zero interceptions, man. The, the deep passing game that this football team has developed in the last couple of years under Brian Schottenheimer, everybody talks about the run game, and they should because they've been great with Brian Schottenheimer in the last two years. But look at what they've done with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett with the deep balls, they have become an absolute, bona fide, certified, legitimate threat down the field with the bombs, with this guy as their play caller and Russell Wilson in this receiving core That's amazing. I mean, for all the money Matt Stafford makes and all the impressions that you have about Matt Stafford and his freaking gun, I mean, Millen's talked about, hey, there's only three or four players in the world that have the arm that Matt Stafford's got, but Russell Wilson's got a passer rating 50 points higher than Matt Stafford does on deep balls.
0: Yeah, he's... Russell Wilson has been the best deep ball throw in the NFL for years. And, and I think that's just f- further proof. So um, I guess the last question I have for you, and then we can wrap, you know, um, what is your expectation of a of, uh, score of this game? How do you, how do you see it coming down?
1: I think it's a lower scoring game. I honestly do. I think it's going to be kind of a slugfest for a while, but I think in the end the Hawks won't make the mistakes that the Eagles will. Uh, I could see a, maybe like a 20 to 13, 20 to 14 type game. I think it'll be Heart Attack City for a while. It'll be a fourth quarter game decided with three or four minutes left to go in the game. But I would definitely, if you're a gambling man, which I know that you are, Brian, uh, you, you, you sit here and say that you're in San Francisco. But really, we all know that you're in Vegas, you know, coming back from blowing the kids' college fund the last you know, couple of days. I would go with the under in this game. I could see a 20 to 13, 21 to 17 type win.
0: Yeah, it makes minutes. sense. I uh, we'll point I got a out. I got a feeling that the Seahawks offense is going to break out. Um, I, I have the I have Seahawks going for over 30 <laughs> points in this game, which would be a big, big deal. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be it's going to be tough. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, as always, man, hey, thank you for uh, for joining the show. Uh, for folks that are watching and listening, if you haven't already, please join up at patreoncom hawkblogger uh, and Go Hawks. Have a great rest, Go of your, Hawks. great rest of your weekend, dude.
1: Now, you're in the uh, San Francisco airport as we speak right now, right? I am. I want you to just yell out, of Seahawks, right now. Not going to happen. Come on, man. <laughs> do it. Show some freaking pride, baby.
0: No, that's not me, dude. Uh, <laughs> Bye, maybe, on, maybe on Sunday. All right. Take care, dude.